Good morning, Hope Church. Everybody have a good week? Everybody excited to be here? You guys excited to be here? I am excited to be here. I know you're excited because of the food, right? Yeah. Well, speaking of food, um, big day on the calendar this week. Big day on the calendar. You guys know what this was? Wednesday, the 5th? National Pizza Day. I hope you celebrated with me and ate some pizza. What's that? Well, they did, but then they lost again last night. So it's good, it's bad. What are you going to do, right? I'm still a fan. Can't help it. But you know, every day I find myself more and more in awe of nature. More and more in awe of God's creation. And there's so many things in this world that we, we just take for granted, right? Simple things like a tree or clouds or the colors of a sunrise or a sunset or the changing of the seasons, which I hope comes soon. But we take these things for granted. And, and, and lately, I've been trying to, to look at creation with fresh eyes, because creation is one of the ways that God reveals himself to us. And when we stop, really, and consider all of the complexities that surround us, we have to be amazed. One thing in particular that I find utterly amazing is the human body. And, you know, I worked in healthcare for a number of years, and that's probably why I'm just amazed by the human body. And so much of it, so much of it we take for granted, right? I mean, you rarely think about your next heartbeat or your next breath or the fact that you can, that you can stand up, you can, you can stand, you can move at will. The human body is the most complex most amazing machine ever built. Now, there's a website that calls itself 100 Very Cool Facts About the Human Body. I'm not going to share all 100 with you guys, but I'll share a couple because I think it's really, it's, it's outstanding. I spent a lot of time, you know, kind of studying the brain, and I want you to think about your brain for a minute and did you know that your brain is 80% water? Yeah, hard to believe, right? Or that the brain itself doesn't feel pain. There are no receptors within the brain itself. So you could poke someone's brain and they wouldn't feel it. Now, there are tissues and structures that surround the brain that are filled with nerve endings, that's why when you get hit in the head, it hurts, but the brain doesn't feel pain. The brain operates at about the same power as a 10-watt light bulb. Now, your wattage may vary. And I think we've seen that, right? From time to time, mine dips down well below 10. Nerve impulses to and from the brain travel as fast as 170 miles an hour. Again, your speed may vary. Mine does. Your nose, working in conjunction with your brain, can remember 50,000 different scents. 
the heart. That's another amazing organ. The heart can generate enough pressure to shoot blood 30 feet. And how many gallons a day do you think your heart pumps? The average human. Any guesses? 2,000 gallons each and every day. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's, it's just mind-blowing. The, the acid in your stomach is strong enough to dissolve a razor blade. I don't suggest you try this at home, but apparently this is a fact. Here's, I'll just give you a couple more because these are really kind of interesting. Feet have 500,000 sweat glands that can produce a pint of sweat a day. Now that explains a lot, doesn't it? About gym shoes and gym socks and uh, gym lockers. Yeah. Yeah, a couple more. Uh, every day we lose about uh, between 60 and 100 strands of hair. Some can't afford to do that. Some don't have the hair to lose. But that's a fact. And, and we're going to kind of wrap it up with this one. Every day our bodies produce 300 billion, with a B, new cells. 300 billion new cells. And, and every organ, whether it's the heart, brain, kidneys, every tissue, whether it's bone, muscle, etc., etc., all are made up of those cells. And every cell, and this is the most amazing thing I think of all, is every cell in your body, regardless of its, its function, they all have one thing in common. You guys know what that is? DNA. Absolutely. You watch crime shows, don't you? <laughs> DNA. It is the DNA in each cell that identifies it as belonging to a particular body. It is the DNA that unites the cells together. It is the DNA that makes the body one. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I find this just absolutely awe-inspiring. Doesn't that just scream creator? You know, there are some who would have you believe that a single cell crawled out of the primordial ooze and morphed into what you see before you today. I can't get there. To me, this all screams creator. As the psalmist says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And friends, we cannot take that for granted. We should be mindful of our bodies as a part of creation. As we said, it's one of the ways that God chooses to reveal himself to us. And Paul uses this as an illustration of the way in which we as believers in Christ are united with each other. We are one as the body of Christ, the church. And the DNA that identifies us and, and, and holds it all together is the Holy Spirit. Well, today we wrap up our series of messages on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And our goal in this series has been to clear up any misconceptions about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. Emphasis on He because the Holy Spirit is, in fact, a person. 
It's not a mist or, a, or an energy out there. The Holy Spirit is a person. And when we think about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does, we're just amazed. It's amazing. We need the Holy Spirit for so many things. And I think if you've been with us throughout this series, you would agree that the Holy Spirit is and does more than we give credit for. Now, if you missed any of the messages in the last five weeks and you want to go back, they're all on our website. I encourage you to do that because the Holy Spirit is an incredible person. Now, from the beginning of the series, we've emphasized the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All are equal, all are eternal, and all are God. And we need, as we said, we need the Holy Spirit for so many things. So many things. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals to us the mysteries of the gospel. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the truth about Jesus. He teaches us. He reminds us about all that Jesus has done and said. How does he do that? How does he do that? Do we have anything tangible that can tell us about all that Jesus has done and said? Yeah, we do, absolutely. Scripture, right? It was the Holy Spirit working in and through the apostles to write the Gospels, to write the New Testament. In fact, all of Scripture is inspired by God the Holy Spirit. We've also seen the Holy Spirit at work. Remember in Acts chapter 2, when the gift of the Holy Spirit was given to the believers at Pentecost, we saw them do extraordinary things, like speak in tongues. And we saw Peter, who had denied Christ three times and, and, and run away and abandoned him, now stand up and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that same power, friends, lives in us today to boldly witness and do things that we could not do without the Holy Spirit. We also need the Holy Spirit to be obedient to all that God has commanded us. And we saw in John chapter 13, Jesus left his disciples with two very basic commands in John chapter 13. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. Anybody remember? Want to give it a shot? Absolutely love God, love others. But remember in John chapter 13, he washed the disciples' feet. And he said, now you go and do likewise. In other words, care for one another. Love one another, care for one another. And those absolutely flow from our love for God. A couple weeks ago, we learned how the Holy Spirit works in the world. And we saw that the Holy Spirit works in the world to prove the world wrong about three things. Free cake for anybody who can name these three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. He proves the world wrong. He convicts the world's 
about sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he uses us. He uses us to accomplish that. He works in and through us. He works in and through how we live our lives to convict the world about those things. Now, last week, we looked at two gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit. If you remember, we talked about defense, and we talked about offense. The Holy Spirit helps us to defend against the desires of the flesh. And how do we do that? Galatians 5.16, Paul said, So I say, what? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to defend against the evil in the world, but it also gives us the gift of the fruit of the Spirit in order to attack, to go on the offensive. And all those characteristics that Paul outlined in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc., etc., those will be evident in us in increasing measure when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, we are going to learn more about gifts, but our emphasis today is going to be on unity, the unity that we are called to, the unity that we have been given, the unity that we are called to maintain, unity in the Holy Spirit. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to start, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 4 and work through some of that. But if you'd like to bookmark Ephesians chapter 4, we are going to look at uh, a few verses from Ephesians chapter 4 in a little while. But we're going to start 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, both of these passages talk about unity, and they talk about the importance of oneness. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church because he had been made aware of divisions within the church, divisions over a number of things, including spiritual gifts, which we're going to kind of touch on in just a moment here. But I want to stop and ask and wonder for just a moment, is this an important message for us today as well? Is there division in this world? I've never seen it more divided. And unfortunately, we see more than we care to admit divisions within churches, divisions between and within denominations. Our own denomination is at a crossroads right now, divided over some very serious theological and sin issues. And it's going to be interesting to see where that plays out. And make no mistake, friends, make no mistake, Satan hates the church. And he will do whatever he can to divide it. And even our community here at Hope Church is not exempt from the threat of division. And we must be diligent to guard against the things that creep in and divide. Friends, the truth is we need unity today as much as the early church needed it, maybe more. 
So Paul begins to teach us about unity in verses 4 through 6. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So we see Paul here mentioning different kinds of gifts. And in the following verses, he will go on to list nine of those gifts. And and he lists more in several other passages in other letters. So there's a wide variety of spiritual gifts. But Paul makes the point here that there's only one spirit that gives them. And that is the Holy Spirit. And you may wonder when he talks about different kinds of service. You know, some other translations say different kinds of ministries. What he's more than likely referring to are the offices of the church. Though there are different offices, it is the same Lord granting and directing the offices. Paul also says different kinds of working. And the Greek word for working is the Greek word energamata, which is where we get our word energy. So some other translations say that there are different activities, different activities, but the same God at work. So we see gifts, service, and working. But there's something else here that I don't want us to miss here. Because what is Paul talking about here? He says, Spirit, Lord, and God. What's that? That's the Trinity, right? This is a typical, subtle, New Testament, Trinitarian expression. And the gifts, the service, the workings are the product of the Holy Spirit, the Lord who is Jesus, and God the Father, all working in concert to bring these things to reality. In verse 7, it tells us, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And quite simply, what Paul is saying here is that each one of us as believers has a gift. Or gifts. That is what he said, what he's referring to when he says the manifestation of the Spirit. The Spirit manifests himself, in other words, makes himself known by these gifts. And all these gifts are meant to be used with the purpose of building the church, right? We said that the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is building the church. And those gifts and those services and activities are to be used to build the church. This is for the good of all. This is for the good of the family, not any one individual. And then as we said, Paul goes on to list some of these manifestations in the following verses. He says... To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. 
all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines. Now, we're not going to take the time to dig into each one of these gifts here. That would be a whole sermon series by itself. And we have food, right? So we want to kind of get to that. But, you know, you may look at this list and you may say, you know, man, I really don't possess any of those gifts that Paul lists there. And that's fine because those are not the only gifts that the Holy Spirit endows upon us. As we said before, there are many more gifts that Paul talks about in other passages and there's gifts that Paul doesn't even talk about. The bottom line, though, is this. We all have gifts that are to be used, as he says in verse 7, for the common good. And all of these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit, who? The Holy Spirit of God, right? But he goes further to say that no gift is greater than any other. Each and every gift is critical to the church. It's critical to unity in the church. We are all part of the church, members of the body of Christ. Paul says as much in verses 12 through 14. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized into one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So there is the body. There is the body. There is unity. There is oneness. Yet there are many members. So there is diversity within the body. Yet we are all united. We all have one thing in common. Just as the cells of your body are united and identified by your unique DNA, so it is with the Holy Spirit living in us. We as believers have the Holy Spirit in common with each other. And that Holy Spirit identifies us as part of the church, part of the one body of Christ. And then Paul goes on in the following verses to explain that each part is essential to the body. And no one part is more important than any other. Each part is dependent on the other. Paul says as much in verses 21 and 22. There he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church to warn them against pride. See, what was happening is some of the people who had what they thought were the more important gifts were looking down on the people with those seemingly less important gifts. But Paul's saying, that's not how this works. All are equal. And Paul is warning us today as well against being prideful, against pride of life. 
can be very tempting to be proud, to think more highly of oneself than one ought to. That's not how Christians live their lives. Christians are called to be, like Christ, humble, right? That is the life of a Christian, is humility. There is no superiority within the body, within the church. No. What we do is we honor others. We consider others' needs as more important than ours. Paul says this in verse 25. He says, No division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I prefer the English Standard Version here because it translates that last phrase. Members may have the same care for one another. I like that better because what did Jesus command us in, in uh, John chapter 13? We just mentioned it. What? Care for one another. It's exactly what Paul's talking about here. And we do that by honoring others and considering their needs above our own. What we don't do, what we don't do is we don't bite at each other. We don't devour each other. We don't destroy one another. That is not unity, and that is not the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of someone else. So unity, friends, is critical for the body. It's critical for the church. As we said last week, it is our testimony to the world. That's what people should see when they look at the church. Unity, oneness. So let's, let's flip over to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Oh, we're running out of time. But there's a couple things I want to look at from Ephesians chapter 4. Quickly. Paul begins in verse 1 by saying, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received. Again, here's a situation where I prefer the English Standard Version because it says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Anytime you see the Bible talking about how one walks, it really is referring to how one lives their life. So walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And that is the goal of all Christians, to honor God, right? That's part of our mission statement. We want to honor God. And we want to live lives that are worthy of the calling. And we do this, I just want to make this point, we do this not to gain favor with God. We do this not so God will love us or love us more. And we certainly don't do it for our salvation, right? We do it out of gratitude. We do this because of what Christ has done for us. We've said this before many times. We are saved only by what? Faith, faith, grace, faith in Jesus Christ. That and nothing more. Our works don't add to that. We do it out of gratitude. And then Paul tells us really kind of how we do this. In verses 2 and 3, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep 
the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And there's some words in there, friends, that, that are going to be really sound familiar now. You've heard them a number of times. Things like humbleness, gentleness, patience. What about the big one? Love. Love. And all this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the fruit that we receive from the Spirit. We talked about that last week. And to do this, to, to walk in a manner worthy, we must walk in the Spirit. We must be led by the Spirit. That's exactly what Paul taught us in Galatians chapter 5, and he's reinforcing it right here. And it's, it's really interesting that in verse 3, Paul tells us to keep the unity. Other translations say that our job is to maintain the unity, which gives us the impression that the unity already exists, right? And in a sense, it does. But we know that this is not something that we created. This is not something that we do. No, it was accomplished by who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law. We are free from the law, right? And its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Friends, Christ has already made us one. We are united in Christ. He broke down the walls that divide us. In Galatians 3, we're reminded there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. All, all can now become family regardless of the differences. It doesn't matter what our differences are. We are united as equals through the salvation provided in Christ Jesus. And Paul charges us right here in Ephesians chapter 4 to maintain that unity. Maintain that unity through, as he says, the bond of peace. And who is our peace? Who is our peace? We just read it in Ephesians chapter 2. Jesus is our peace. Not only does Jesus give us peace, he is our peace. And then Paul follows that up with, with the reminder in verse 4 and following, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Friends, we have unity because of what we have in common through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In Him, we have one body, the church, 
One Spirit, the Holy Spirit. One hope of our calling, our hope for eternity. One Lord who is Jesus. One faith, which is the truth about Jesus. One baptism and one Father. And friends, all of these commonalities come together in the Holy Spirit. And they can overcome any differences that we might have. Friends, unity in the Holy Spirit. There's just one other point I want to make before we kind of start wrapping this up. In case you missed it, there's another Trinitarian expression there, isn't it? We see it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All working together to unify us. To unify us as one body in Christ held together by the Holy Spirit. So, we bring this series to a close. Knowing now that we need the Holy Spirit for so many things, for so many things, to open our eyes to the gospel of Jesus, to believe, to have faith, to obey His commands, to love and care for one another. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through us that allows us to do extraordinary things. We boldly witness to the truth about Jesus. He works in and through us to change the world. He leads us. He guides us. He teaches us. He reveals the truth of Scripture. And it is by His power that we defend against the forces of evil in this world and go on the attack by living lives filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And there's more. There's a lot more. But friends, we are one. We are united in the Spirit of God. And we use the gifts that He's poured out on us to build His church in unity. Do we need the Holy Spirit? Friends, now more than ever, we're at war, right? We're at war, and the battle rages, rages within each one of us for our souls. It rages against and within the church, and we need the Holy Spirit to unify us that we might persevere in the face of whatever comes our way. May we, friends, be a people that yearns and prays for more of this incredible person, this third member of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you are an amazing God. And Lord, when we consider the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit and all that you've done, Father, we are amazed amazed and Lord I just pray that you would pour your spirit out upon your church upon your people bless us with your spirit that we might be one that we might be united in Christ Jesus by the power of your incredible Holy Spirit 
And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.